Max Gorlin, Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Hope you're well, and welcome back to another of the 50 most relevant, where we get down who I think are the most relevant players worthy of a discussion in your 2022 fantasy footy preseason. Number 41 today, and, and to be honest, it's been a little crow heavy to start the 50 most relevant. Don't worry, it drops away. If you're a fan of any other footy club after this, it drops away drastically. We're talking about the former Swan, now Adelaide Crow, Jordan Dawson. And because we're talking about Jordans, I had to get Jordox on for this episode, a regular of the coaches panel. Hello, mate. How are you? I'm very well, MJ. How are you, mate? Oh, I've got your namesake on here. You've just got to change the ox to Dawson and you'll be away. I know you're very, very keen to talk. Is he going to be your boy in 2022? I just need to know now. Is he your boy now before we talk um, any further? I, w- I will be trying to claim him um, from the moment he landed at the Crows, but for the sake of this next 15, 20 minutes, I will take off my Adelaide hat, my Adelaide glasses, my Adelaide jacket. I'll be very uh, objective. Okay, objective? You'll, okay. You'll, be, you'll be naked, but you'll be telling us exactly what you think about <laughs> Jordan Dawson. So that's a little scary. It, thank goodness for everybody else involved in that. Um, he's just the 24 years old, this new Adelaide Crow. He is a defender. There was some concern for some amongst the fantasy community that he might pick up midfielder-only status as he moved higher up across the wings as the season went on in Sydney. We'll talk about that throughout this episode, but he's just a pure defender. And uh, his top score last year was a 158 exactly across the formats against the Gold Coast Suns. And if there was ever a round to give you your top score of the year, and in fact, your top score of your entire fantasy and super coach career, it is the final round of a year. And that's what he did last year. It was sensational if you're on Jordan Dawson. His average last year was 88.8 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 101 in Super Coach. And in that format, his pricey, 550,300, just on 745K in AFL Fantasy and a touch over 750,000 in Dream Team. And Jordox, it's been a while since the Crows have felt like they've walked away from trade period with a name that they're super excited to, to gain. And the breakout of Jordan Dawson last year was just a phenomenal sight to behold, behold for Sydney Swans fans and certainly for fantasy coaches that took the punt on him last year. Yeah, Sydney's loss is certainly Adelaide's game there. And Jay, he is um, you know, entering the peak well, about to hit the peak of his career. He's yeah. um, He's been building nicely and he's had a good couple of years, particularly 2021. Um, an excellent get for Adelaide in a footy sense, but, you know, what does it mean for the fantasy world? And that's what we're going to uh, try and crunch through today. Yeah, exactly. Look, he's a, he's a really tall unit, 191 centimetres, a lot taller than a lot of people might have realised. Certainly not the fastest operator on a footy field going around, but he is one of the most lethal left foots going around in the AFL. He's often referred to in club world as a 70, 80 metre player. And by that, I mean someone that can run and carry and move the ball 20, 30 metres 
and then distribute the ball by foot. He is absolutely sensational when he gets on that left boot. Last year, he ranked 16th in the entirety of the league for total meters gained and 19th for rebound 50s. He's ranked elite across the AFL for disposals as a rebounding defender. He averaged 22 last year. Uh, Also ranked elite for tackles and meters gained and did finish third in the Swans best and fairest. And as you alluded to, Jordox, certainly a a loss for the Sydney Swans to fight a replication point in their side. But from an Adelaide and from a fantasy perspective, it's going to be interesting what these numbers of 21 and beyond might actually mean for us. Let's look at that 2021 season that he just came off. From an AFL fantasy and dream team perspective, just the five tons last year and two over 120, including that final round of personal best 158, seven scores under 80. And yet he ended the season ranked 12th for defenders by averages of, in terms of defenders we have right now and seventh for total points. And we'll talk about Supercoach in a moment, Jordox. But sometimes you hear those numbers, you're like, really? Just the just the five tons? Just the two over 120? And one in three under 80? How did he do it? I guess he's just one of those great, consistent players. He might not burn you much in ceiling. And we'll talk about that too in a moment. But he's a surprising footballer that he's so high up in the averages and total points in that format. A couple of things there. I mean, that that final score of the season, the 158 in fantasy and dream team, uh, that you know that's on the back of a 16 mark game. So he's taken yeah. 16 marks in that game. Um, not sure what that was. Oh, I was against the Suns, so obviously had a fair bit of freedom that day. And um, you know this um, this trade period, there's been a lot of talk about him. So I don't think clubs are going to give him that space to take 16 mm. marks. The other thing too, though, is he seemed to have a bit of a a bit of a shift in where he was playing last year after the bye. Yeah. So he was more of a half back um, at the start, and I think he has been for most of his time at Sydney. And then after the bye, they got him out on a wing, um, and he took off. And you know, uh, he, he had three of his five times after the bye. I think he averaged around the nine mark post bye. Um, and I just think he was building building very nicely. It, it's actually a bit of a shame that he had to finish with a 158 because that does boost his average and yeah. uh, therefore boost his price. Yeah, it certainly does that. From a super coach perspective, last year, if you want to look at that, he had nine tons across that format, four of them over 120. And while we lament about maybe a little bit of a lack of ceiling outside of that big final score of the year last year, he had a nice ceiling in Supercoach. His three top scores of the year for us in that format were absolute monsters, a 141, a 145, and a 158. To go with that really high ceiling, a really solid floor because just the four scores sub 80. So in Supercoach right now, he's the seventh highest averaging defender. And yet right now, he finished the year fifth for total points. Yeah, only Zebel, Lloyd, Rich, and Crisp in Supercoach. The defenders we have available right now in that format scored more than him in 2022. And I love that you picked up on that, what that evolution of his game was like after the buy. Because pre-buy, he was going along okay in those first 13 games of the year. Across formats, he was trucking along okay. Pre-buy, he was going at 80.8 in AFL Fantasy and 92 in Supercoach. And yet post-buy, 
what did he deliver in those final nine games? Games as he moved into that wing role that you picked up on Jordox, average of a hundred in AFL fantasy and dream team, and an average of a hundred and fourteen in Supercoach. That's a differential of twenty or twenty-two in Supercoach. Um, in terms of what he did pre and post. And so that's probably what has coaches a little bit excited, isn't it, Jordox? Is that if he can push that 100 average in fantasy or 110 plus in super coach, he's now building himself a conversation for being a top three, four, five defender again in 2022. Absolutely. And, and, and another thing he added to his game, which is very handy, is uh, he hit the scoreboard. So yeah. After the buys, once again, that, that move up the field to the wing, uh, he kicked all nine of his season goals from that role, you know, yeah. in that back third, back half of the year. Um, the yeah. other thing about coming to a new club and, and, and in that sort of form was that 10-week block as a wingman. He comes to Adelaide, who, um, you know, are a young side and they're, they're going to build around him. Um, I like what wingers are doing at Adelaide. I mean, Paul Seedsman uh, has just come off uh, a, a career best season uh, in terms of average. Yeah, um, 90s across the formats. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And even, you know, in AF, in fantasy and dream team, his previous best um, average, he, he smashed it by about 16 points. And this is a guy in his 10th, 11th, 12th season, something like that. So yeah. the way the Crows are playing is going to be very, very um, conducive to good fantasy scoring for wingers, uh, which is good news for Geordie Dawson. And I think that's that's the key thing too, as we look into now, certainly whenever a player moves clubs, you can't just assume or presume that it's business as usual from the year that's gone. We've got to look at, well, what's the new team he's coming into? What's the role and the function that the club are expecting him to fulfill? And what does that mean from a fantasy output? Because at this stage, it, it's just one really good year. Look, he's been building towards it like in 2020 and 2019 he's been building he averaged 83 in 2019 in dream team and fantasy four tons and four additional scores over 90 for super coach 86 he scored six tons and four scores over 90 in the shortened quarter games of 2020 he averaged 66 in afl fantasy and dream team if you want to do the rubbish adjusted averages game 83 and an average of 85 in super coach so he's been building and building and building and then hits this breakout but then he moves to the Adelaide Crows. You've talked about Paul Seedsman, who had a monopoly on, on the footy on, on one wing. And then it was just a floating of different players through the other side on the other wing. Sometimes it was Lockie Scholl that got those opportunities. Sometimes it was Harry Schonberg that would get some opportunity. Sometimes even later in the year, Tom Lynch was starting up on the wings. It was really experimental from the Adelaide Crows. I think it's safe to say that from the outside in, people are probably expecting him to hold down that wing position. I don't think halfbacks, they're really too concerned. They've got players that are going to play that shutdown role in Chase Jones and Luke Brown. Um, they've got the dashing Will Hamill. They've got Andy McPherson, Brody Smith. Again, none of these are household names outside of Smith. But for a developing side, and then the Wayne Miller, who we've already included in the 50 Most Relevant, it feels like that portion of the ground of the rebounding defenders probably covered the biggest area for the Crows. And they've got still lots of holes in their list um, as all rebuilding sides do is a classy ball user. That's able to effectively deliver the ball inside 50 so that those talls and smalls 
can get to work. And as a Crows fan, Jordox, while we won't take up too much of a tangent, that's probably been one of your pet peeves watching the club going, oh, we've rebounded, we've won the ball, and then somebody somehow butchers it inside forward 50, and within seconds it's coming out again. They just think, yeah, yeah, no, don't get me started. Don't go there, um, don't go there. That, <laughs> yeah, no, but you, you're right. Look, always bombing it in, bombing it in. Um, yeah, Dawson's the kind of guy that is going to be able to lower his eyes and hit up the big picks. And, but, yeah, let's not go into that. Um, <laughs> yeah, what was the next bit? No, I was going to say, I, I think for me, if, if that's the role he plays is that wing between the flanks, centre forward of the ball, there's been some mooted... Um, talk about him as an inside midfielder, but frankly, the Crows don't need another slow inside mid. They're, they're well stocked um, in, in that area of the ground. If yeah. he does play yeah. that role, um, I think that might, might just clip some of that ceiling in Supercoach or in that format, score involvements, ball efficiency, disposal effectiveness. These are important elements that help boost a score. And the Swans squad and, and list build is probably anywhere between 12 to 24 months ahead of the crows and so where he might have picked up some of those ceiling games he might miss a little bit on some of those scores just as a part of a younger developing unit that he might not have suffered if he had stayed in sydney a little bit so for me probably more super coach relevant or if you've got some form of custom scoring in your draft league that might just clip some of him a little bit um, through there. You brought up that great point of you got so much media attention last year during October that that would only potentially do that. He's definitely the best ball user by foot at the club. And for me, I think if we're to look at the format separately for a second, and I know you're more of a dream team or an AFL fantasy coacher. For me and super coach, I just can't start him. I know he's very, very good in that format, but it, but it's for two simple reasons. One, the one I just alluded to. What he does in that news Crows unit and how he's rewarded from a point scoring, I've just got some hesitations around just some of the lack of the polish around him. Not so much about him, but just the unit and structure he's in. The second is this. He's only had one very good year. And it was a very good year. Like I said, in Supercoach, he's top five points overall. But, if you are looking at your prices in Supercoach, you just mark 50000 down. You've got Lockie Whitfield sitting there at 50000 cheaper. In my eyes, you can't pick a guy who's moved clubs and playing in a new system is very, very good for a guy that in Lockie Whitfield that is 50K cheaper and is a proven multi-season 100-plus performer um, and is every chance of actually being the number one scoring defender for the year i don't think i see that destiny for dawson in super coach but i do see that for whitfield in super coach and so for me he's, he's probably an upgrade target in super coach because of that he's going to still be i think a very very good option but then when we flick at afl fantasy and dream team jordox what what's your kind of take on is he a starting or an upgrading option for you Oh look i think i think when you yeah when you have a player that changes clubs there is a lot of hype and um, they sort of stick out, you know, when you're flicking through, scrolling through, just building your squad, you're like, oh, he's got a different colour next to him. Oh, yeah, he must he must naturally improve because he's mm. changed clubs. And I, I do think we get sucked into that a bit. Um, Zach Williams was an unfortunate example of that last year. 
um, but there were obviously other circumstances around that. Um, I, I agree with what you're saying with Supercoach, just in terms of starting him. I think if you're starting him, you, you're really expecting the Crows to win a lot of games early yeah. and, and, and be much better, which would be lovely. Um, Dream Team Fantasy, look, I, I think there's an argument he could start with them. I, I just think he's, he's the sort of player that um, it all looks like destined to go well at the Crows. The role's there. He's got that body of work leading into it. Um, he, but he's also not cheap. He's priced at, you know, around his average, which is, you know, late 80s, 89. Yeah. Um, there's going to be others around the mark and, and even the Whitfield example that you used in, in DT. Um, for Supercoach, you know, he's only about 50 or K, 50K short, someone like that. So, look, I think he's going to, at worst, replicate what he did last, last year for Sydney. Yeah. Um, I think he had some points. I don't know if there's enough to start with him. Um, but if you like him, do it, because I think he's going to be a great player to watch. Yeah, I think I think the key for me is when you're starting these premiums in in your squad, you, you're looking for what do you think they're going to be? I, I, is he got a ceiling about him? Well, at Sydney, probably outside of one or two games, there wasn't really much ceiling there in AFL fantasy and dream team. So for me, because of that, um, you would need to pick him banking on a high scoring basement and low scoring deviation. Um, and I, I just don't have that confidence in a new club at Adelaide to go and start him at that price point. Uh, if you were spending the dollars, someone like a Christian Salem or a Jaden Short probably present a little more upside for only 20, 30, 40,000 extra. So for me, I'd probably look to go, I'd rather see him. What is that role? How defined is that? How do the Crows use him? What does that evolution of a young game style for the team look like? And, and so for me, carve across the formats, I'm an upgrade target guy, but if someone said I'm starting him and here's the narrative, the narrative has got to be, I see the ceiling. I believe he'll be better at the crows. And these are my ABC reasons. If that's the case, absolutely knock yourself out. But for me, I'm just a little caution around him as the flag of going. There's a lot of variables that want to make you go and get on him. But in drafts, as we look to wrap up this episode, Jordox, he's going to be fascinating to see where he goes on draft day. Like I said, he's ranked in the top five for total points in Supercoach, top eight for averages, top 12 for averages. So he's going to be, when people are looking at their defenders early on draft day, once they lose the Lloyds, once they potentially lose a Whitfield, once they potentially lose the Hall and the Zeeble, all of a sudden they're now going, do I take Rich? Who we talked about a few days ago in the 50 most relevant. Do I take a Heppel, who had a pretty reasonable solid year? Do I take a Shaw? Do I, or do I take the upside of a new player at a new club? And to that point, you mentioned, whether it be a bullish Crow supporter, someone who just sees a new color, he'll go in the first potential handful rounds of draft. I think he's a D2 guy in AF and DT and a D1 in Supercoach. But there is a world, I suppose, someone third, fourth round goes forward heavy, he might be a D1 for someone depending on how they choose to draft. Yeah, agree with, agree with that. I mean, I, I could see him as a D1. I think he can score enough this year. I mean, um, you know, it, there's some real big boys, but then there's, there's a huge group that could average anywhere from, you know, 85 to 95 yeah. 
push the hundred, and 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 I think Dawson falls in that. Um, I think if you're really, you know, if you're really clever, have it have a think of it this way. So, if he hadn't left Sydney and gone to Adelaide, um, where would you draft him? Try and think of it that way, because I don't see him changing too much from club to club. Um, and this is an opportunity, if you think he goes around the same mark he did last season, let other people in your league grab him early, because I, I do think he'll be pretty popular early, mm. um, and then grab the one that they left behind. Yeah. For me, though, I, I, could, I can see him as a D1. I can see him drifting to you know, third, fourth round, as you said. Just with the, the amount of forwards that are going to take up those the boards of the first two rounds, Yeah, it's, good it's hard to see any defenders really you know, the ones you mentioned, um, the Lloyds going super early. So I think Dawson lands in the third, fourth round. I think it'd be a fine D1. Um, if you get him as D2, I'd be worried about what your forward line looks like. But I'd <laughs> And, say and your overall draft structure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, man. I, I think he's a fascinating player to watch where he goes on draft day. And, and so much of drafting is about what position you have, how many coaches are there, what are those biases of those coaches? All of these ingredients um, play as much as your rankings and your tiering of players. Um, you're drafting against people as much as you are drafting with the rankings. And so for me, I- I'm fascinated to see where he goes and what he does in 2022. Hey, Jordox, I appreciate you taking off the Adelaide Crows hat and giving us your thoughts <laughs> about your namesake. No worries, mate. I'll put it back on and <laughs> get into it. I appreciate you putting your clothes back on too. That's a win for everybody. If you want to go and read the rest of the article, I promise you he's always been wearing clothes. Uh, if you want to read the article, it's online for you now at coachespanel.tv. All the links for all the other players revealed are the 50 most relevant. They are online for you now at coachespanel.tv. While you're there, you can get all the links to the Patreon supporter group. There are tiers uh, that are right for you as simple and as little as $3 a month, right up to a little bit more where you get access to a whole bunch of stuff stuff you get these podcasts 24 hours early at certain tiers hidden groups cash leagues and a bunch more all the links for that at coachespanel.tv all right the last player in the 40s of the 50 most relevant and i'll leave you with a clue before we wrap up this episode he's arguably the most controversial player in the 50 most relevant he flew home last year and in some people's eyes he is an absolute lock for a top tier guy in his line. For others, they don't think he's going to even be a chance to deliver anything like he did in 2021 to end the year. Who is this controversial player? I'll tell you about him tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant. Is it you? Now keep it true.